she's starting to put the 12 lead on me for to do an EKG. Before she finished getting all those leads on me, she knew the type of heart attack I was having. And she's like, I've seen this before. I know exactly what you're having. This is not good. She said, if, if we go to the hospital in town, which was literally a mile and a half away, and went there first and went through their intake process, I would have never made it to the Catholic. As you heard at the top, it's been a tough few weeks for small fleet owner Brian Stoll of New London, Wisconsin. He was describing there one among a myriad of things that went just right on his evening trip to the hospital for what turned out to be emergency surgery to clear a near total blockage of a coronary artery that eventuated in a heart attack for the 48-year-old longtime trucking owner and operator. Stoll, with his wife, Holly, heads up reefer carrier Surprise Trucking. If that sounds familiar, it's likely you've encountered the Stoll's trucking business story attended to their semi-finalist recognition in both the 2021 and 2022 Overdrive Small Fleet Championship program. Getting close to 10 trucks today, the Stoll's business is built on a solid commitment to leased owners and its customers. As you'll hear Brian Stoll explain in part of this edition of Overdrive Radio for September 23rd, 2022. I'm Todd Dills, your host as usual, and it's more dead serious topic that dominates Stoll's story today. If you don't have your life, of course, the day-to-day concerns with trucking business, well, they're a luxury you'll never afford. Your heart is like the engine of a truck. It only has so many revolutions in it. It only has so many beats. Brian Stoll knows that in a very intimate way after his experience, a lot went wrong that fateful evening of his heart attack as he tells it. His past time as a firefighter and emergency medical technician himself led him to recognize a breakdown in communication between emergency dispatch and the ambulance crew that showed up at his home after his wife's call, for instance. All they said, told the ambulance crew was, hey, he's got arm pain. That was it. Does that mean he's got a muscle cramp in his arm? Was he drunk? Did he fall over, bruise his arm? Um, (laughs) Is he having a stroke? Is he having a heart attack? Is, you know, did his wife get mad at him and beat him with a frying pan? Yet for every little thing that went wrong, there was something else that came off just perfectly. The team of EMTs that did arrive knew just what they were dealing with and went the extra mile for his life. So they skipped a lot of steps that could have ended my life which ultimately saved my life. The Stolls were medically uninsured, and in the aftermath of the surgery, Brian made the difficult decision to sell his personal truck to a close business partner, who's also a customer of the Superized Trucking Fleet, and it will at least remain under his and Holly's management. It's not the only difficult business decision Brian's heart attack has led to, as you'll hear in what he sees as a cautionary tale for anyone listening, particularly those with heart attack risk factors, including family history of heart ailments. We start with a bit of Brian Stoll's trucking history, just on the other side of this break for a word from Howes, Overdrive Radio's sponsor. Howes is a proud sponsor of the Overdrive Radio podcast with Todd Dills. For over 100 years, Howes has been making quality lubricants and additives to help drivers get the most out of their vehicles. 
providing protection, prevention, and beyond, all house products are safe to use, alcohol-free, and guaranteed to always perform. With the nation's top diesel additives like Diesel Treat, Diesel Lifeline, and Diesel Defender, plus superior lubricating oils like Howe's Multipurpose, Howe's products are the ones you need. Learn about them all at howesproducts.com. That's Howes, H-O-W-E-S, howesproducts.com. Big thanks to them for making this possible. And here's Brian. Let's see. I started started trucking back in oh, about 90, about 95, mm-hmm. I want to say. Uh, started out, couldn't couldn't find anybody to help get me my class a right away um so i went to a local school bus company and i started driving school bus did that for about two and a half years and then um that gave me enough experience with a bigger vehicle at my young age in order to at least get people to see that hey he might be worth the time and effort so i found a local company that actually paid me to get my cdl and trained me yada yada um versus going to a school and paying them stupid money to get my cdl and there was companies out there that did that. There were schools out there that did that. But the one local company, they actually said, oh, no, 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 no. We'll pay you, you know, $350 a week to go train. I'm like, hell, I can do that. That's sure. more than I'm making now. <laughs> right. so it made sense, you know, yeah. and started that, did that for about a year. And I'm like, man. I just don't know if this is for me, but that company constantly sent me out to Jersey City, Brooklyn, Queens, and that's all I knew. And I'm like, I'm not liking this very much. Um, Then I found it. So I went to a different company and they ran way up in the Northeast, Massachusetts, Vermont, Maine, and then we'd cut back across Canada and then come back down. And I'm like, you know, this is a lot nicer. The pay isn't the, as good. Took a pretty big hit on the pay and their equipment wasn't well-maintained. And But back then I didn't know, you know, <laughs> I'm young and dumb. Right. So, you know, when you see a, see their company trucks have three three batteries instead of four, you go, huh, I wonder why. And then, you know, over years and learning and experience with other companies and understanding how a lot of companies cut costs. And one of the first things they always cut is their maintenance budget, which ultimately just costs them more money. But back then I didn't know, you know, again, young and dumb didn't know. And well, I finally got out of that situation. (laughs) um then i went to the whole did the whole lease op 
deal um, signed on with Mayflower and United before they merged. And doing moving moving van stuff, huh? Yep. Yeah, we did yeah. a couple loads of that. We I helped move Tammy Faye Baker at one time. <laughs> did not decided, yeah, this is cool. It was a cool experience, but I really don't want to do that again. <laughs> um I moved a lot of um a lot of very high-end things for a bank out of their vault one time from Wisconsin to California. Okay, that was kind of neat, you know, but yeah, it wasn't my forte. So then we still got into the uh, trade show, the trade show aspect. That was really cool. I really enjoyed that. Made mm -hmm. tons of money doing it. Um, but again, I'm still young and dumb and, oh, look at, look at all that money. Huh. And thinking my settlement check was a paycheck. And that ultimately is what brought that to an end. Um, so then I went back to being a company guy for a local company. That was all right. I had a dedicated run almost right away, Wisconsin to Texas. Uh, then I broke my back. That's the story Brian and Holly Stoll told us, attendant to reporting on Surprise Trucking that aired earlier this week at OverdriveOnline.com. The company's won among 10 semi-finalists for Overdrive's 2022 Small Fleet Champ Award. Sponsored by the National Association of Small Trucking Companies again this year, two finalists in two separate categories will be named early next month. And on October 20th, at the Association's annual conference in Nashville, the champs will take home the title belt after an evening event at the conference. Read about most of the semi-finalists, including now almost 10 trucks surprised trucking via overdriveonline.com slash small hyphen fleet hyphen champ. When Brian Stahl broke his back in the early part of this century, that took me out of driving for about 10 years. Um, after that, once I was, once my back was up to it, then I got back into it right away. And, um, Eventually that led to the oil field, which that experience out there in North Dakota for six years or so that then led us into starting our own company. Right. And that bring, kind of brings us to where we're at today. Right. Um, but that experience that I gained out there and I had a boss out there that was, he seen my work ethic He's like, this guy is very smart. He knows what he's doing. He's a little rough around the edges. <laughs> let, let me bring him under, under my wing and take him to a few business meetings and get him, get him the knowledge that he needs, that he's missing so that he can make something of himself. So that opportunity was fantastic. And while my boss out there, you know, that whole situation there, you know, we ended up building a big environmental facility out there that we were expanding into. And without going into too many details, there was people out there that were supposed to enforce the contracts that we had. And they never followed through on that enforcement, which mm. brought that whole 
that whole deal to an end. So we come out of there with a lot less money than what we should have. <clears throat> and me and Holly looked at each other and I told her, I'm like, what are we going to do with the little bit of money we have left? I, you know, I can't go back and work for somebody anymore, not with the knowledge and experience that I have. She's like, well, let's go buy a truck. Yeah. Let's start the company that you want to start. Well, that was about seven, almost eight years ago that we made that decision. We are just coming into our seventh year now. We started with one truck. We are now up to about 10 trucks. Um, everybody, it's all owner operator. Mm-hmm. I did have my own truck here just a couple weeks ago. I did have a massive heart attack. Stoll's heart attack was what's known as a STEMI, S-T-E-M-I, brought on by a near total blockage of coronary artery. I'm in the 5% of survivability rate on the heart attack that I had. Wow. So I am extremely, extremely lucky there. Um, good Lord figured I'm not done. I'm not done with you yet. I still got plans. So right, right, right. But we're trying to figure out what those plans are and make the best of it. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, I that's sort of what about. we wanted to talk about, right? It's, it's kind of a, you know, if it, uh, I got, I kind of got the sense that, um, that you had a story to tell that could sort of serve as a, as a cautionary tale, I guess, um, uh, about, um, you know, listening to, listening to your body. Right. And I do understand that there was, um, you got, you got, uh, quite had a fortunate, uh, rescue, I guess, uh, because you were, you were, you were lifted, uh, airlifted over to the hospital in the region there. And uh, it sounded like it was getting a little dicey in terms of being able to land it, but things worked out, right? <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. I tell you what, um, there was so much that night that was wrong. And, you know, for every wrong, there was a right that went along with it. Okay. So the day was a normal day, normal at home day, dispatching trucks. Um, dealing with trucking problems as they arise, putting fires out. We had a business meeting that evening and um, we had one driver that we just hired in town that we had put up in the hotel. We were just waiting for the truck to, a couple mechanical issues with the truck to get finished, just finished up, you know? Right. So we could get him in the truck going. So, and there was a spot for him to come out to the supper club with us for our meeting. So we right. invited him along and gave him a really nice prime rib dinner, as we do almost every new hire. You know, we we like to take him out and say, "Hey, when you're in town, you may not get anything from us during Driver Appreciation Week, <laughs> but when you're in town, we'll take care of you." Yeah. You know. You come through town, we take you out, take you out to the supper club, get you a real nice dinner, crab legs, prime rib, whatever you want, put you up in the hotel, you know, you need to do shopping, we'll take you shopping. You know, it's little things like that. Take them out for breakfast, you know. I think that is more important than, oh, once a week, 
or one once a year once during a driver, year, yeah. here, here's twenty five dollars. You know, right, no, right. that that's almost in, embarrassing to do stuff like that. You know, right. so we went out to dinner. I had a nice prime rib, real good dinner. Afterwards, we finish up our meeting. We go to stop over at Walmart quick for a couple minutes and come home. Just another day. It's about eh, seven thirty in the evening. I'm laying down because I get up, I, I start my day about four in the morning, five in the morning, so early to bed, early to rise, right? Right, right. So I'm laying in bed, I was just getting ready to doze off and our dispatcher called. And we normally talk at, you know, the end of the day every day, just to kind of catch up and, you know, make sure everybody's on the same page and make plans for the next day. Well, he called, uh, so we're talking, and after a couple minutes, I, I had this little, little tinge in my back, you know, just a little sore back, but it's up, up between my shoulder blades, which after breaking my back and having a spinal fusion many years ago, this is not something that is out of the ordinary. Right. Um, every once in a while, if I either do too much during the day, or if I'm lazy for two days and just laying around for two days, I will get muscle spasms because of the, I still got hardware in my back and stuff like that, you know? So yeah. it, it gives you back problems along the way, but nothing a couple ibuprofen don't fix. So that's kind of what I thought was going on. I just kind of sore. I'm like, okay, well, I was uncomfortable and I'm like, all right, well, let me see if I can find a tennis ball put up on the wall and right. get my back up against it and massage these muscles. I couldn't find it. I'm like, all right, well, next best thing, let's go get some ibuprofen and we'll get some of that in, in my system and it'll, it'll slowly relax the muscles and we'll be fine. Well, I never did get a chance to take the ibuprofen. Some of the symptoms with having a heart attack, you know, it's, sore back, sore chest. It's not very often to where a heart attack is that TV chest clinching pain, right? You, right? That's not really one of the things. I mean, if you're to that point to where you're clinching your chest because of a heart attack, you're pretty much on death's doorstep at that point. Um, your heart's pretty much stopping. Um, but it's all the tiny little signs and symptoms prior to that, that you really got to be aware of. And they're very, or they can be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of vague. Yeah. Attributable to a lot of other things, as you're saying. Right. Absolutely. Like my sore back, you know, like I said, that's how it started. And I'm like, well, this is kind of turning into a, major muscle spasm and anybody that knows what you know how bad a muscle spasm can be it can take your breath away okay you know and it, it'll take you days and days and to get rid of it unless you go to the er and you know they see your blood pressure skyrocketing so they know you're in pain and right. you know then they dope you up with all kinds of narcotics and then you're okay but you know and i've i've been there before but <clears throat> this was a little bit different. You know, that pain was there. It was slowly getting worse, but then it 
plateaued. That pain kind of plateaued. And because of where it is, like right between your shoulder blades, it kind of takes your breath away a little bit. So you, you start having a harder time breathing. Every breath, it's just like, it takes a little more strength to breathe. And all of a sudden, now, another symptom when you're having a heart attack is you do, sometimes you get explosive diarrhea, mm. not necessarily a favorite subject of people's to talk about, right. but um, it does happen. And that's what happened to me. Wow. I, I just, you know, I had that feeling in the belly and said, okay, I better go to the bathroom. I get in there and pretty much explode the toilet. And it's the moment that happened, that pain in my back, it came, it basically gave me a hug and wrapped around my shoulders, encompassing my chest. And the minute that happened, I broke out into a sweat like I have never experienced before. The hairs on my toes were dripping in sweat. I mean, it was head to toe. It's not like it started here and worked its way around. I mean, it was my whole body right now was sweating and right. it was dripping. At that moment, because I do have EMT training and a pretty significant medical background, I was well aware at that moment that I was having a heart attack. I was, like I said, I was still, and at this time I was still on the phone with my dispatcher and he was concerned. He's like, what's going on? And I told yeah. him what the symptoms were. He's like, dude, you got the sweats like that yeah. with the bathroom situation. You need to call 911 right now. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And just that quick, I had dropped my phone and so he texted my wife, said, Holly, you got to call 911 right now. She come in the back door because she was outside. She goes, can we drive, just drive to the ER? I'm like, you know, in this moment, I'm not, the, the sweats were over with because they only lasted a couple seconds okay. and they were gone. I'm like, you know what? I think the worst is over. I think we can drive to the ER. She went, got shoes on, came back. I mean, it, this was probably about 45 seconds that had passed. Wow. I looked at her. I'm like, no, no, just call 911. Because like I said, I knew at that moment I was having a heart attack. I didn't realize how severe it was at the time because I figured, you know, if I'm having a heart attack, I should be clenching my chest and buckling <laughs> over. And it, it wasn't like that. It was just, you know, it was a struggle to breathe. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't fighting to breathe, but it was, you know, you got that shortness of breath, you know, right. and um, kind of like you just ran a marathon, you know, it's real short, shallow breaths, right? Right. all you can get and your heart's just boom, 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 boom. While your heart rate may not be high, but it feels like your heart's coming out of your chest, you know, it's just pounding right. hard. So um, there I am sitting out on the picnic table. I didn't bother getting dressed, nothing. I'm literally in my underwear with a pair of shoes on <laughs> waiting for the ambulance <laughs> <Wow>. to show up. <laughs> the ambulance showed up. 
there was a, now to get back to the, how many things went wrong, but how many things went right. My wife, I love her to death. She's great. She did the right thing. She called 911. She told the dispatch what my symptoms were. Right. The problem, what the first disconnect was dispatch did not relay those symptoms. All they said, told the ambulance crew was, hey, he's got arm pain. That was it. Okay. Does that mean he's got a muscle cramp in his arm? Was he drunk? Did he fall over, bruise his arm? <laughs> um, is he having a stroke? Is he having right. a heart attack? Is you know, did his wife get mad at him and beat him with a frying pan? They, they just don't know, you know, right. and in that, in that EMT medical trauma, trauma world, arm pain can mean so many different things. I mean, right. you get some ridiculous calls sometimes. Um, so with that being said, that was the first issue that had arose. So yeah. the ambulance was not in a hurry to get here. They were just no lights, no sirens. They weren't in a hurry, but they, they did get here. They must, had to have been close because they did get here within just a couple minutes. They pull into the driveway. They come out. They seen me sitting on the picnic table outside and they knew, they knew there was an issue yeah. and it was serious. They didn't know how bad, obviously. But we got up, I told her, I'll, I'll walk, I'll walk to the ambulance because I was feeling okay. You know, I shortness of breath and I was weak, but I was still with it. But knowing I was having a heart attack, I, and with my medical training, I also knew the biggest thing I could do. The most important thing I could do to help myself was to stay calm and just concentrate on your breathing and get as much oxygen as you can during that process. Because if you are having a heart, heart attack for real, there's nothing you can do, you know, and by getting worked up, getting all excited, getting your heart rate up is only going to make things worse because your heart is like the engine of a truck. It only has so many revolutions in it. It only has so many beats and you don't know where that limit is. It could be a hundred thousand miles. It could be a million and a half miles. You just don't know. Um, so they get me in the ambulance. She's starting to put the 12 lead on me for, to do an EKG. Before she finished getting all those leads on me, she knew the type of heart attack I was having. And she's like, I've seen this before. I know exactly what you're having. This is not good. She said, if, if we go to the hospital in town, which was literally a mile and a half away and went there first and went through their intake process, I would have never made it to the cath lab. If they would have trans skipped that step, transported me directly to the cath lab, which by the way, is only 17 miles away. I would have never made it. She didn't even bother calling dispatch to try and get the helicopter. She called the helicopter directly wow. and said, this is a STEMI heart attack. We're well in progress. 
you need to get here now. So now, mind you, that helicopter is sitting at the hospital 17 miles away. I'm a mile and a half away from the hospital. They arranged for the helicopter to meet us at the landing pad at the hospital. We pulled up to the hospital and I could already hear the helicopter overhead. They landed, they did a live load, which they really don't like doing. That's where the engine's running full blast, the rotors are going, and they're going up because typically they'll shut things down and then they'll do a hot start where they leave certain aspects of the certain devices on the helicopter running so it can start faster. But they didn't even do that. They just left it running. Well, we had had a lot of rain, temperatures changed, got got pretty chilly at night. So there was a lot of fog that was forming at night. They got me into the helicopter and we were gone. So with her calling directly to the helicopter and skipping a lot of those intake steps at the local hospital, et cetera, she made up for the time involved that we would have lost with everything else that had been going on, like not coming over emergent because of the mixed message from dispatch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Plus she recognized the heart attack right away. So they skipped a lot of steps that could have ended my life, which ultimately saved my life. We got in a helicopter, we flew there. As we were coming up to the hospital, because of the fog, they could not see the landing pad. And they were were talking about and starting to make plans to redirect to a different hospital. Just as they were in the process of making that decision, it was like it was told to me or described to me like it was a bubble of clean, clear air that came up from the hospital like this, just as they were coming up to the hospital, which allowed them the visibility to land. Upon landing, one of the, one of the doctors met us or a nurse, one of, one of the employees of the hospital came out and met us as I was coming out of the helicopter saying, Hey, we're not ready in the cath lab yet. We have to take them to a different part of the hospital because we're not ready. Well, the couple seconds it took to get from the helicopter into the building, somebody stepped up, overheard them saying the cath lab wasn't ready. And they said, no, we are ready right now. I don't know what the delay was, but it didn't sound good. Right, right. (laughs) For that delay... To just all of a sudden change like that it, it was perfect um going into the cath lab apparently my youngest daughter who's 13 and my wife met us there and apparently they got to see me and give me a kiss before i went into on my way to the cath lab i don't remember that okay. and they did say your heart they did say my heart paused a couple times not that it stopped it just kind of paused and took its own little deep breath right (laughs) um which is scary but that's 
Yeah. That's a good indication your heart's about to stop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, it's that, that close. I pretty much yeah. woke up and I... Stoll had a stent put in to open up the clogged artery that was the cause of the attack, and in the aftermath, with the hindsight of a few weeks gone by, he's thankful for all the quick-thinking pros among the EMTs. His dispatcher on the phone with him when it started, and his wife Holly. It always seemed like there was an angel looking out over our shoulder. You know, yeah. and it just, it's those little signs. Now, can you make anything of it? Eh, depends on your beliefs. Yeah, and, yeah, sure. You know, but it gives you a lot to think about, you know. But the point of the story is it's the signs and symptoms. If I was out driving truck and I know it's out there, I know it happens to people. Sure. Yeah. But if you're out driving truck, something is simple as you go through a St. Louis or Atlanta or Chicago, where it's very stressful and, you know, you get out of it and you're, you're out in the country and you're just chilling, cruising along and all of a sudden you get a backache. I mean, that little backache and that backache that you get is nothing out of the ordinary, you know, because you tense up, you're going through this big city with all this traffic and, you know, but you got to listen to your body because, okay, yeah, I got a backache from the stress of going through this, through the city. Okay. No big deal. Whatever. It's normal. Well, you might want to keep paying attention to that for a little bit, because if that feeling changes, you know, your body is telling you, Hey, something ain't right. Pull over and stop and give it two minutes and see what you know, and pay attention to what's going on, you know, that's all you need, you know, and it, unless you have a extreme sudden stroke or an extreme sudden heart attack to where your heart just stops right now without any signs or symptoms, Mm -hmm. you always have time to get your, if you're in a truck, you know, you have time to get pulled over. Maybe they let it go too long, And that's why you see a truck sitting over in the, in the woods because they tried to pull over, but it, but by then it was too late. Like with me, I would have had, I would have been driving. I would have had that pain in my back. I would have kept driving. I would just would have reached up overhead into my pharmacy cubby up there, grabbed my ibuprofen and popped some ibuprofen and kept on going. Right. You know? Thank God I was at home to where I was, didn't have any other distractions going on where I could pay attention to what was happening. Thanks to that and so much more, as he's noted, Brian Stoll's on a path to recovery. Here's wishing him the best of health going ahead to the future. He went on to recommend that anyone with a family or personal history of heart-related ailments to take the time to invest in a relationship with a cardiologist for periodic monitoring. Had he been doing that, basic imaging procedures might likely have caught his blockage well before it got to where it was at the time of the attack, he said. Anyhow, a big thanks to Brian for walking us through it all. Read more about his and his wife Holly's surprise trucking fleet. Like I said, a semi-finalist in our small fleet champ competition via overdriveonline.com slash small hyphen fleet hyphen champ. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive. The voice of the American trucker. 
is edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the acoustic guitar and other support, Chucker songwriter and overdrive contributor, Long Haul Paul Marhofer. The theme is Legend of the Snake Man by Marhofer, featuring the guitar work of Travis, the Snake Man himself, Wemmick, Terry Two Socks Richardson on bass, keys by Tishomingo Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Mr. Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own news editor, Matt Cole, social media coordinator, Holly Young, and executive editor, Alex Lockheed. See you next time.